Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on this Wednesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now as he does every single Wednesday at this time, our guy Freddie Coleman. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights 9 p.m. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, brother. How's everything and how you shooting, by the way? I shot awful last week. Absolutely awful. I had 15, but I could, I had to have been like 5 for 18 from the field. We lost. As a result, we didn't make the playoffs. We got a consolation game tonight, which I'm sure is going to devolve into just like the worst Y-ball game ever. It's going to be horrible. And I could have stopped it if I had shot better last week. Sometimes they go in and sometimes they don't. But I've never heard of a consolation situation in an intramural league pick a basketball league. That's it, a new one. It's just a way to get, you know, to, to get the uh, – 20 to 50 year olds another run in there doesn't mean anything it's just a, there was a gym available so the two teams that didn't make the playoffs are getting together oh okay so that's not a bad thing at least you have one game where you try to get a sour taste out of your mouth from not making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah so we'll have some fun tonight and see how it goes Freddie I won't ask you to comment on the state of America East women's basketball too much but I gotta tell you I'm starting to get that feeling that maybe Vermont could get both the men and the women in the NCAA tournament that happened three years in a row when I was at UAlbany. That's a cool thing for your campus community. And uh, UVM men are in first. UVM women are now a half game out of first and have won eight in a row, and they'll take on Maine tonight. That would be a pretty cool accomplishment here in Burlington. It's funny you mention that because Will Brown, when he was the coach of Albany, and Coach Hermanson, who's now the University yeah. of Georgia head coach, when they were there together, I can't even tell you what that meant to the Albany community where it seemed that every game not only mattered, but there was an excitement about it. And normally at mid-major basketball, when it comes to women's basketball, there may not be as much interest if they're not winning. But when they are winning, people are there to support them in droves because I do Sacred Heart basketball, and the women are close to first place, and people are starting to show up because they had a tough start to the season. So you're exactly right that if you can get two of your teams to make it a very good winter and you get an NCAA tournament, that just raises everybody's level of happiness and makes everybody feel better about themselves. Let's talk about somebody who's feeling pretty good today, and that's LeBron James, uh, the all-time scoring leader in the NBA, nearly 39,000 points in his career. He got 38 last night to break Kareem's previously held record. Let me ask you this. I I don't do the GOAT debates. I I have no interest in that, but I am interested in this one. What's mm-hmm. more impressive to you, the Tom Brady story where you come from nowhere or the LeBron James story where you have all the expectations, hit them, and beat them? Wow, that's a really good question. <laughs> I never even thought about something like that before because both storylines are fantastic, and we know that we live in an era where the underdog story Once you have a chance to do that and overcoming odds and everything like that, people seem to gravitate towards that a little bit more. But I'm going to gravitate to the side of LeBron James because I had this discussion last night with Ryan Windhorst, Tim Bontemps, and Tim McMahon, who do a great job covering the NBA, and they do a great job of the Hoop, Hoop Collective podcast. And I said, we knew or had a feeling that LeBron James was going to be great. Nobody saw it this great. And I look at any great athlete that's ever happened, Brady, in any sport. It doesn't matter if it's basketball, football, golf, etc. We expect somebody that will have those expectations of being great, but then it can go far beyond that. People thought Tiger Woods was going to be great. Nobody saw that to this level. Same thing with Michael Jordan. Even the same thing with a guy along the lines like Peyton Manning. We thought he was going to be great coming out of Tennessee, but he turned out to be one of the greatest ever in the history of the NFL. So I'm going to go by that side because we thought he was going to be something special. 
nobody expected this 20 years later that he would still be this special in the NBA when it comes to LeBron James. You know, and I think about like Bryce Harper, right? Like Bryce Harper is kind of the equivalent of LeBron on Sports Illustrated at a young age. We heard about him mm-hmm. for a long time. I would say Harper, he's certainly not a bust, right? MVP, he's made right. multi-time all-star. He's made a World Series. I think that Bryce Harper has largely hit expectations. LeBron James like blows Bryce Harper's resume out of the water, which to me makes it like that much more impressive to your point. Yeah, because look at this uh, this way, and I've said it before that I believe LeBron James is the greatest athlete that's ever played in the NBA because we've never seen a package of 6'8", about 230, 240, that can handle the basketball, that can jump out of the gym, that's expanded his game each and every year. He's doing the same thing that Michael Jordan was able to do. He's doing the same thing that Kobe Bryant was able to do. Now, I heard a discussion this morning on first take. They talk about basketball evolving, that LeBron's evolved this game. And they said Kareem didn't have to because uh, he had the sky hook. And I said, well, you shouldn't punish Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for having maybe the greatest singular yeah. shot in the history of basketball that everybody knew it was coming, and they couldn't stop it anyway. But the fact he continues to evolve his game when it comes to LeBron James and doing different things and still averaging over 30 points a game 20 years into the league, we're never going to see anything like that ever again to that level that we've been able to see that still has about another three, four years left in his NBA career. You know, he wasn't talking about LeBron when he said this. He was talking about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But did you see Trent Dilfer's comments yesterday yeah. where he said he's not impressed by what these older athletes are doing? Is that just like, get off my lawn, it was better back in my day, typical stuff? Or are you buying some of what he's selling? I'm not buying that at all. And I think there's another reason where you and I are of the same mind, Brady, that it's impossible to compare errors to what quarterbacks are doing now to what quarterbacks did before, what wide receivers are doing now to what wide receivers are doing before. And that's why I stay out of that whole conversation. To say that it's easier for Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, I thought he was completely off base because more than ever before, you have so many defenses that can disguise things. You have defenses bringing pressure, get the ball out of your hands. You got man-to-man coverage concept that they do on the defensive side of things. You got to adjust the line protections at the line of scrimmage that quarterbacks a lot of times did not have to do in Trent Dilfer's day. So I didn't understand why he felt the need to throw their dinner plates out into the garbage just because <laughs> what they were able to do because he doesn't like this era of modern football. I'm not going to punish those guys who are playing according to the rules because we still see defenses stopping quarterbacks and knocking down quarterbacks. That has not changed, even though offensive football is definitely ruling the day when it comes to modern football in the NFL. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. What did you make of the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick love fest the other night on the uh, Let's Go podcast? I thought it was pretty cool because I didn't think in a million years that anybody would get Bill Belichick to sit down for a podcast. And if anybody could possibly do it, I didn't think Tom Brady was going to be able to pull that off. So it was really closure. That's the one thing I thought of Brady with this whole thing involving their relationship because whatever ups and downs, and there were more ups and downs than they had, and no matter how it ended that way for Tom Brady in New England, you knew there was a general affinity between both of those guys. And it was really cool to hear that. And I thought the best thing about it was – but Bill Belichick talked about how much he learned from Tom mm-hmm. Brady, that Tom Brady talked about a play word for word, like the eight different things that <laughs> went on before he made a decision. And Bill Belichick said, oh, my God. And then he looked at the film and it happened exactly in sequence how Tom Brady described it. That was pretty cool to hear Bill Belichick be that transparent and say, I knew he was great, but I didn't think he was that great to that kind of level. And being willing to share that story. And I'm sure that Tom Brady was probably sheepish about hearing that. But it was really cool that somebody who loves football and understands football has that kind of mind that Bill Belichick has to have that kind of appreciation to say, this is why Tom Brady was so great. And boy, I was really glad I had a chance to be a part of that and coaching Tom Brady 
that was really cool that they had that sit down to bring that kind of closure and sharing stories like that that we'd have never been party to had Tom Brady still been playing for the New England Patriots. You know, closure is the word that I used yesterday, but this is getting like a lot of weird reactions here in New England. There's a group of people saying, well, if Belichick loved Brady so much, why did he let him go? Why did he not resign him? Then there's the people saying, see, they love each other. They never hated each other, and the media created this rift. And then there's the third group of people that are saying something to the effect of, you know, why is Tom waxing over history? He clearly had a problem with Belichick. Why is he acting now like he does it? There's a lot of people with different reactions here, Freddie. I feel like I'm President Biden in the State of the Union address <laughs> hearing all these reactions you're just telling me right now because everybody is going to have something to say, not based on any kind of intel, because the people saying those things, they weren't around those guys day by day or even for one second. I mean, even Mike Reese is not even going to go out there and say anything. And if anybody's more connected in the Patriots than he is, they played for that organization or coach of the organization. He wasn't out there speculating about what was going on and why this happened between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So people are allowed to say what they want. They have enough avenues and they have enough platforms, Brady, to say it. But I take the old Freddie Coleman Jr. approach from my dad. When those things happen, you tell people to just shoo, shoo, and shoo, and you go about your business and worry about what's real and what's not real. What do you got happening in the Super Bowl? It seems like prevailing thought is the Eagles are the better team, but people have a hard time picking against Mahomes. Where are you at? I have a hard time picking against Mahomes. And, Brady, this reminds me so much of when USC, when they had Reggie Bush and Lindale White and Matt Leiner play Tex in the Rose Bowl, and Tex had Vince Young. And that magic was enough for Texas to win that ball game because USC, I thought, crumbled under that kind of pressure. That's what this reminds me of. We have one singular guy that is Patrick Mahomes who has that kind of magic that he can just outperform even any kind of expectations that we have for him. And everybody else on both sides of the football will raise their level with him. And you have a Philadelphia Eagles team that man for man, balance for balance, is a more balanced team than the Kansas City Chiefs. But how many times have you seen a one-and-done situation that you can have a Danny in the Miracle situation like Kansas versus Oklahoma <laughs> in the 1988 National Championship game in basketball where one guy can really make that much of a difference and everybody for that moment will be able to raise their level. And going back to Tom Brady, I thought Tom Brady said it best. Sometimes not the best team that wins, it's the best team that plays that day. And I think Kansas will find a way to do that and win this ball game on Sunday. Well, I certainly am with you on that. What's the go-to thing on your Super Bowl party menu, Freddie? Food. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be <laughs> it could be chicken wings. It could be pizza. It, it, as long as it's something that's in front of me, that's appetizing, that's going to smell good, and, and I know put at least 10 pounds on me if I have to work out the <laughs> next day to work that off. If it's in front of me and it's fixed and it smells good, if it's in front of me, I'm ready to go. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights at 9. Freddie, enjoy the game. We'll talk in seven days. You too, Brady. Always a pleasure, my brother, and you take care.